Lord, thank you for the time we've had together already tonight, and we pray as we uh, look into your word that our hearts will be open and that we'll hear what we need to hear, God, and that we will respond in a way that uh, that we should, and that, that's the way of obedience and just doing what you're probing our heart to do, and it's in your name we pray, amen. Thank you, Gary, and wasn't the Bible drills fun tonight? Jason and Laura and everybody who helps in that, thank you so much for that wonderful, wonderful ministry. Bible school has changed a lot through the years. They have fun. When I was in Bible school in the 1920s, they got, literally the meanest lady in the church was in charge of Bible study. They wouldn't let her work with the adults because, they, you know, they were all scared of her. So they put her in Bible drills. And, I mean, you were, boy, you, if you messed up, it was bad. So thank you for making it fun, and they enjoyed it. It's great ministry, great ministry. When you hear the word depth, what do you think of? I think of water. That's, that's what I think of. I think of water. I think of a, the ocean or a lake or a river. I had my assistant, Brenda, this week do a little research on our two lakes in this area, and she called her uh, highly trained professional fisherman husband to ask her, how deep is Lake Darbone in Claiborne? And Kenny said, Darbone uh, in the channels is about 30 feet deep, and Claiborne, uh, its sister to the west, is about 45 feet deep. Uh, so a little, that's a pretty deep lake, and... Maybe that's interesting to you. Maybe it's not. You can probably touch the bottom in, uh, in Darbone and come back alive. Claiborne, you're pushing it a little bit if you don't have a tank on. But this evening in Hebrews chapter 8 and 9, we're going to look at depth as far as a theological subject. We're going to look at the depth of forgiveness. Now, I know there may be a tendency... For people who've been in church very long to go, oh, forgiveness, man, that's, that's easy. You know, we sin, God forgives. You get saved, you're wiped clean. We understand all that. If that's your idea of forgiveness, that's fine. But that is uh, preschool, and forgiveness is Ph.D. plus about 25 years of extra study in England. It, it is really deep stuff. So Hebrews 8 and 9, if you have your Bible. And the first thing I want us to see tonight is the price for our forgiveness was extremely high. For you tonight to be sitting here a person who is forgiven of your sins or to potentially be a person who has been forgiven of your sins, do not ever lose sight that that cost somebody a whole lot. The price for forgiveness was extremely high. In chapter 8, verse 12, a verse I memorized years ago, For I will forgive their wickedness and remember their sins no more. Now, we'll go back to that in a moment. How many of you think that's an awesome verse? It is a a tremendous verse. But before we explore the wonder of our forgiveness, let's look at the price. Because there was a, a really high price paid to make you a clean person tonight. In chapter 9, we're going to look at several verses. In verse 7... It says, only the high priest entered the inner room, the Holy of Holies, and only once a year, and never without blood, which he offered for himself and for the sins the people had committed 
and ignorance. Verse 12 through 15. He did not enter by means of the bloods of goats and of calves, talking about Jesus, but he entered the most holy place once and for all by whose blood? By his own blood, having obtained eternal redemption. The blood of goats and bulls and the ashes of a heifer sprinkled on those who are ceremonially unclean, sanctify them so they are outwardly clean. How much more then will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself unblemished to God, cleanse our conscience from acts that lead to death so that we may serve the living God? In verse 15, for this reason Christ is the mediator of a new covenant that those who are called may receive the promised eternal inheritance. Now that he has died as a ransom to set them free from the sins committed under the first covenant. Look in verse 22. In fact, the law requires that nearly everything be cleansed with blood, and without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness. One other section, verse 24 through 28, to kind of help you understand this. For Christ did not enter a man-made sanctuary, a tabernacle, or a temple that was only a copy of the true one. He entered heaven itself to appear for us in God's presence. Nor did he enter heaven to offer himself again and again the way the high priest enters the most holy place every year with blood that is not his own. Verse 26. Then Christ would have had to suffer many times since the creation of the world. But now he has appeared once for all at the end of the age, to do away with the sin by the sacrifice of who? Himself. Man is destined to die once. This is important. And you're going to face the judgment of God. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many people. And he will appear a second time, not to bear sin, but to bring salvation to those who are waiting for him. Now listen, this doesn't make sense. This is... uh, Something you've got to accept by faith, you won't understand fully. But God decided in eternity past the price for forgiveness was going to be shed blood. Okay? You and I understand when something gives its blood, it ultimately is giving what? It's giving its life if it's a sacrifice. Now, there was, a, there was an exception clause in the Old Testament law that allowed for a very poor person to have a flower offering if they couldn't afford a lamb or a bull or even a dove or something, they could bring flour. But basically, forgiveness of sin was propitiated. It was provided through the shedding of blood. Now, I shared this last week. I want to share it with you again. The high priest, you know, we know he went into the, the Holy of Holies one time a year on the Day of Atonement for his sins and the sins of the people. But every year... In Jerusalem, here's the official sacrifices that were made every single year in Jerusalem, the official sacrifices at the temple. 1,093 lambs, 113 bulls, 37 rams, and 32 goats. Again, the Day of Atonement. It's called Yom Kippur now. You hear that? That's the Day of Atonement. High priest goes in. Offers the Holy of Holies, offers sacrifice, blood sacrifice, his sins, sins of the people. But you had all those other sacrifices going on throughout the year. This system was imperfect, it was taxing, and it was temporary. 
And at the right time in history, Jesus Christ came and he offered himself. Now, folks, don't let your church experience, your church, things become so common and so, so normal that you lose sight of this. This is God himself, the Son of God, leaving heaven to become man. To say, okay, all those sacrifices at one time, that was the system up until this. And then Jesus came and he became the sacrifice for our sins. God became man. The sinless Savior said, I will put my blood on the cross for those people's sins. A lot of those people hate me. They deny that I even exist. In fact, it's these very people who killed me that I'm dying for. And 2,000 years later, there's people that curse the name of Jesus. They deny him. Worse than that, you got church people a lot of times who don't act like they even know who Jesus is. Knowing all that in advance, Jesus Christ made a decision to leave heaven to come to earth on purpose to be beaten, to be flogged almost to death, to have a crown of thorns stuck on his head, and then to be nailed to a cross and to shed his blood to provide forgiveness for your sins and my sins. Please don't ever tell me that this is not a subject of tremendous depth. Unbelievable. Matthew 27, 46 tells us a little bit. It says on the, about the sixth hour, the ninth hour, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sambachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Part of this crucifixion, part of Jesus Christ becoming the sin offering for you and me meant that at that period that God the Father turned his face from God the Son. Charles Spurgeon, the great English preacher, 150 years ago, looked at this over and over and over, and he said it was God forsaking God for mankind. Can you get your arms around that? Don't even try if you can't. Why was the price so high? Let me rephrase that. Why shouldn't the price be high for forgiveness? The particular word used throughout Hebrews 9 about sin, there's New Testament uses four different Greek words for sin. The word here literally means to miss the mark. It means that God set a target here and that that you and I may hit it some, but we miss it a lot. And we think if we're close to the target, we're better than those far from the target, right? Right? But friend, if you've missed the target by one inch or one mile, you what? You missed the target. Why shouldn't the price for forgiveness have been high? We commit adultery. We murder. You go, I've never murdered anybody. Have you ever hated anybody in your heart? Do you slander people? You gossip about people? We take God's name in vain? We treat other people in ways we shouldn't treat them. We're lazy in our spiritual pursuit. 
why in the world do we think that the price of forgiveness should have been a $10 bill or an extra little money in the offering plate? We've rebelled against God, and God said the price for that was going to be extreme. You know what the ultimate price for your forgiveness and my forgiveness was? It was the death of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. The bulls and the goats worked for a while, but ultimately it took God himself becoming man to die for us. Many years ago, a Presbyterian minister in Washington, D.C., Dr. Lewis Evans made a statement. He said, Christianity needs to get rid of this blood emphasis. We need to get the blood out of our hymn books, and we need to get the blood out of our Bible schools. We have a slaughterhouse religion. And you know what I would love to say to that man? you got to take the blood out of the Bible then, friend. And you can't take the blood out of the Bible. The Bible said forgiveness of sin was impossible without the shedding of blood. And Jesus Christ came and died and shed his blood for your forgiveness and my forgiveness. We have a beautiful old hymn, What Can Wash Away My Sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. You see, the price for forgiveness was extremely high. Now, let me give you a second point that really is personal. The ramifications of his forgiveness is phenomenal. The ramification, it says if, it should say is there, my mistake on the screen, is phenomenal. Now, I want to tell you this evening, If you're a Christian, or you'll become a Christian, or or if you will live in a humble state of repentance in your life, the way God forgives you is absolutely incredible. Let's walk through Hebrews 8, 12. I will forgive their wickedness, and I will remember their sins no more. That word forgiveness there in your Bible means merciful, It means to make favorable towards. It means that God will alleviate the results and the pain of our sins. When he says, I will forgive their wickedness, the word wickedness means unrighteousness. It means in your life and my life what ought not to be there. And he uses the word sin here to miss the goal, the scope of life. It means to offend God. By the way, every one of us in here are guilty of all those things, aren't we? But he says, I will remember no more. The word remember means to fix in mind. It means to recall. And there's an interesting little phenomenon. He says, I will remember their sins no more. In the Greek, it's literally a double negative. You can't see that as well in our English, but it's expressing something very strongly. This week I called my buddy and our resident writer, Teddy Allen, who is sitting as far away from me tonight as he can, I guess, because he knew I would embarrass him. And I said, Teddy, give me an example in the English of our double negatives. And he said, well, you and I talk that way every day. And uh, I said, well, give me an example. He said, one was Mick Jagger. None of you know who Mick Jagger is, of course, but Mick Jagger, you remember, I can't get no satisfaction. Do you remember that? That was grammatically incorrect. Did you know that? 
Mick should have said, I can't get any satisfaction, but that doesn't sing as well. And I said, okay, Teddy, give me another example. He said, well, when my little boy Casey was three, I remember he was in the bathroom one day, and he said, Daddy, I don't have no soap. Daddy, I don't have no soap. And I said, that's a double negative three-year-old. And I said, well, what would you say? And he said, well, I was 33, and I said, you don't need no soap. <laughs> that's how you become a professional great writer at that point. <laughs> but you get the point, a double negative It strengthens the denial. In other words, God's saying, in no case, in no wise, never, ever will I remember your sins no more. Now, I want you to, guys, think about this. When you were saved, God took everything in your past and wiped it clean. 1 John 1, 9 was written for Christians. 1 John 1, 9 says, if, now that's the, that's the qualification. If we confess, if we admit, if we own up to our sins, obviously repentance is brought in the picture here. God is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. That's for the Christian. Years ago in my first church, they had had a major blow-up. Well, they'd had a major blow-up about every five years. <laughs> they, I was the 38th pastor in 40 years. I was too dumb to realize that was probably a problem. And they had had, I think, five or six years before I got there, the church had split. And any time your church, one Sunday is running 100, and the next Sunday is running 50, there's a problem. And they were running 45 one Sunday, and the next Sunday they were running 20. That's a problem. And one of the, the two of the people who had been in the church during that time were still in the church when I was there. And they were arguing one day, thank goodness, outside of church. And one of the, the men was actually causing problems at that time in our church. And this person said to him, five years ago, you tore this church up. And his response was, well, I'll answer to God for that someday. I want to ask you this. Do you want to answer to God for your sin someday? I want to tell you, I don't want to. And the Bible says, because Jesus Christ shed his blood for me, when I go to him and I repent, that means I do that with a desire not to do it again, even though I'm going to trip up and fail a thousand times over the next however long I live. God forgives me my sins. Folks, I'm not going to heaven someday expecting to have a long time of God going over the junk in my life. Are you? Hebrews 10, 17 is a sister passage of this. It, listen to what it says. He adds, their sins and lawless acts, I will remember no more. <clears throat> Back in 2004, I'd been the pastor here almost two years it was in the fall, and I'd been asked to go back to my previous church to, to preach the dedicatory service for the new Family Life Center that they were building. And I was excited about it. It was a great honor. I was going back. I was preparing, and I, I was starting just at that time to prepare on my laptop. So it was kind of new to me. And I was in my office, and we had the wireless set up, and I'm typing away, and I'd been working three or four hours, and I hadn't saved everything and I hit a wrong button, and I couldn't find it. And Stephen Knapp was our technologist. Glenn, why are you laughing? This was terrible. <laughs> You're laughing at my pain. 
And Stephen Knapp was our technology guy at that time. Stephen was a good computer guy, so I call him back, and he's, you know, he's doing what computer, you know, he's, and, uh, and he goes, I can't find it. And when Stephen would get nervous, his head would bobble. And I noticed he, his whole body was bobbling, so I knew this was not good. I said, what do you mean you can't find it? He says, it's gone. I said, you mean like it's in some computer place in Montana and that we can drive up there and get it? If we need to. He said, no, it's gone. I said, it's gone. Where is it? He said, it's nowhere. Folks, you know, if you type a lot on the computer and you don't save it and it gets deleted, it's, it's nowhere. You know where your sins are this evening? If you're right with Jesus Christ, they are nowhere. Do you realize how wonderful that is? You don't realize how wonderful that is for one or two reasons. One, you just don't think you're that bad. Or you're just not getting how great forgiveness is. Psalms 103, verse 10 says, He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. And look in verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. Go out tonight and look up in the sky. You know, east and west, from God's perspective, have no end, do they? I mean, it is, it's endless. Friend, God has an ability you and I don't have. A normal person with a normal mind doesn't have. He can forget something totally. Don't you wish you could forget some stuff? Don't you wish you could push a button and that year would be gone or that, that series of events would be gone? But you and I cannot do that. God can do that. And when we talk about forgiveness, oh, that's something you talk about in Bible school to third graders. Absolutely. But this is Ph.D. stuff too. God says when we bring our sins to him because of what Jesus Christ has done, he takes our sins because of his blood and his death, and he wipes the slate clean. He washes you white as snow. Is that not phenomenal? Do do any of you remember a name, Carla Faye Tucker? Does that sound familiar at all? Carla Faye Tucker, you can tell she was in a prison. Maybe you can pick that up right there by that little costume she's got on. Carla Faye Tucker in 1983, I believe it was. I won't go into the details, but in a drug-induced craze, her and a friend brutally murdered some people with axes. And... She testified that when it was going on, they laughed. That's how crazy, depraved, and drugged out that they were. She was given the death sentence. And Texas don't mess around. That wasn't bad. That's bad grammar. But you get the death penalty in Texas, you might as well start thinking about eternity. Carla Faye started thinking about eternity. And while she was in prison, she got saved. And I read report after report after report where people said that her crimes were terrible, but if you knew her today, you knew that God had changed her. I heard church people say, she doesn't deserve to go to heaven. She doesn't deserve to be forgiven. Friend, let me tell you, in God's view, none of us deserve to go to heaven. None of us deserve to be forgiven. But when she was getting ready to die, when she was on the lethal injection table... She smiled and said, I know where I'm going, and I hope to see you there someday because God's forgiven me. 
Forgiveness did not lessen the consequences. She died. Forgiveness didn't get her out of prison. It doesn't remove the scars. But what it does is it cleanses us before God. It gives us a fresh start before God. And it gives us a home in heaven someday. And I want to tell you this evening, whether you realize it or not, tonight and the rest of your life, you need that kind of forgiveness. You need that kind of forgiveness that wipes the slate clean and that washes you white as snow. You know, in the Pacific Ocean, there is a, a place called the Mariana Trench that is 35,000 feet deep, almost six and a half miles deep. You could take Mount Everest and put it in the Mariana Trench. And Mount Everest is the highest place in the world. And you could put Mount Everest in that trench and the peak of it would still be covered by one mile of water. Is that not incredible? That is a deep spot. If your wife ever says, I'm killing you and throwing your body in the Mariana Trench, no one will find you. You are gone at that point. You know, as deep as that is, God's forgiveness is much deeper. His forgiveness cost him his son. His forgiveness meant Jesus didn't shed your blood, but he shed his blood. And that forgiveness can cleanse and wipe clean and cause God to forget everything rotten and sorry we've ever done. You know, that is a forgiveness, in my opinion, that demands a response. If you're not a Christian tonight, we're asking you, and this this is an easy sale. We're asking you to receive that forgiveness. Isn't that great? Come tonight and give your life to Christ. You want to join the church? Come tonight and join our church family. Christian, maybe tonight, where you're standing or at the altar, maybe you need to do one of two things. Maybe you just need to praise and thank God for the depth of His forgiveness. Or maybe you need to do some business with God tonight to receive that forgiveness. Let's stand. Reggie's going to lead us as we sing. Forgiveness is only good for those who receive it. Receive it this evening.